0: The Finley The Finley the Finley's on film Tommy Bear Hey, what's up, Mr. Finley? <laughs> okay. How you
1: doing? Good, how are you doing, my friend? Uh, bringing, uh, bringing
0: the fake uh, energy right now, yes.
1: All right, bring it on because I, uh, <laughs> I don't have an intro for this. I'm just riffing here, but I'm just telling the truth. When we got our, our um, VCR, our VHS tape-taking VCR, for those of you who are not a note, <laughs> we always say that like to all the young people listening to this podcast as if that's a thing. <laughs> but when I was in junior high and we first got a well, from- I,
0: I just want to point out really quickly, any young people listening to this podcast are insufferably owners of a
1: VCR. Oh, God. Um, yeah. No, you're probably right. Um, We got it when I was in seventh grade. We got it. First of all, we got a color television I remember humiliating my sense of self by going to the dance that night The junior high school dance and and kind of trying to brag to a couple people got a got an RCA color TV I I forgot that most people didn't live in my insane household My father made us watch a black and white uh, 12-inch TV until I was 13 um, we used to huddle around that black and white TV. But anyway, so we got, and then the year after we got our first VCR, and of course I had the background with Finley number one, your dad, for about three or four years at that point. So I had been salivating to get a VCR and to follow his plan. Of uh, you know, um, three movies potentially per slow mode VHS tape over six hours. Uh, you know, you know, the drill, Finley's fans, you know, uh, grouped by director or actor by a certain number of viewers. Anyway, one of the first films I ever taped because I also had a friend whose dad had two VCRs, which was cray cray in
0: 1984. The front door.
1: And you, you could rent a movie, and then you could you could dub it. But but the VHS makers had sort of caught on, so they put what I called at the time, uh, very unpc, video aids. So it would be some movies that you tried to dub from one to the other. <coughs> About every three minutes, there'd be this weird sort of line that kind of ran mm. perpendicular or diagonally across it. And it was it to me it was fine because as you and I have discussed before, we'll take a grainy old movie or. You know, it doesn't have to be Blu-ray for us, baby. Anyway, yeah. so one of the first movies I ever taped and and, and so I'm going to count, recount to you some of the tapes I made. Risky Business? Good. Heard,
0: you know what? I seem to remember you sharing those with I, well, That uh, was
1: one tape I, and and the only theme there was just sort of like teenage rom-com whatever. It was Risky Business and I've also put Last American Virgin on there.
0: The, the risky business I gotta say yeah I'm, but I gotta say risky business that scene where he like he loses his that's that that was one of the hottest things I've ever seen
1: you never completed the sentence you just said where he loses his
0: uh, yeah, I, I, yeah loses his cherry. I don't know loses his virginity in that scene where what's her name like just nails him on a chair I remember that to this day Re- holy Rebecca shit that was the very erotic
1: to me. nails him on the train they're on the train uh,
0: Yeah, and, I don't remember and that. I don't I think, think I'm thinking word. about like his pre like his fantasy version of it going mm. on I don't but, well, let, let's rewatch this at some other time. Okay, it's yep, been, That's it's fair. Been a major that's fair. Years.
1: All right, so um, so we're talking about um, Ritsky business, uh, Last American Virgin, Blame It on Rio. So I had like that going for me, but then I, I started to make my um, Matho thing, and and I noticed that all that video on E Street, which was our premier video palace. <sighs> had um they had those some of those early VHS tapes where you'd go in and it was like they were they were in a a, a very bulky gigantic you'd open it up and it would be like half the space of this gigantic packaging was the videotape i don't know why they yeah. did it they had these weird plastic spines especially warner brothers i don't know if that strikes a bell with you but like the warner brothers spine anyway I oh, yeah, yeah. I taped this movie and I had never even seen it, but it was like I wanted I want so bad to have a collection that I would sometimes dub movies I hadn't even seen like this. Will, this is sure to be good. And this was it. Hopscotch was one of the first movies I ever taped for myself. <laughs> and so and now if we're getting to this common conversation, and there's got to be a different way than it's so bad. You, it, you know, it's good or guilty pleasure ah! or whatever it is. I'm going to say this. Yeah. This movie almost qualifies because I'm not gonna, it's not a great movie, I'm not even sure it's a good movie, but I love this movie. Hopscotch, 1980, Walter Matthau. Go
0: here's. The, OK, here's a, I got I, uh, Let's plumb this for just a second. What's with our mutual obsession with Walter Matthau? Like why, yep. why, why does he resonate so firmly in my heart? And I believe yours as well. I, there's something about him that is just inherently. I don't know what it is. It's just attractive. Every time there's a Walter, if there's a Walter, Walter Matthau movie, I want to watch it. And this falls into that category. The moment I saw who it was, I was yep. like, fuck. Let's look at that. I've never heard hope.
1: of this Hope is what it is because Matho came into his own when he was older. Yeah. He's got a weird sort of the original dad bod. His head is yeah, like – he's ponchy as fuck. He's ponchy as fuck. But every once in a while during the 70s, all during the decade of the 70s, he pulled it together enough to almost like mm, – it's almost like David Cross in shape. He's got a torso that's like I think Michelangelo could sort of plumb a couple of muscles out of there. Um, he's got a kind of a uh, um, uh, ape face.
0: Yeah, which which puts him in like the the which like theoretically it means he could throw a punch and maybe take a punch, even though probably not.
1: Um, if. Um, uh, Jimmy Durante's nose had like dysmorphia. He's got like a sort of a pendulum, like a, a hacky sack nose. Yeah. Uh, there's something likable maybe. about him. But in these movies in the 70s, he became an action star, sort of, and always half the time was bedding down ladies in these movies. And it's kind of remarkable.
0: Oh, maybe that's part of, I know there's so many elements to him that simply don't really fit. It's just like, like it's, maybe he's like the last, like, He's like the last straw of macho before, like you had an old age and decrepitude. <laughs> like yeah. he's 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 capable of projecting macho without necessarily being threatening. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Yeah, and then, and, and, and yeah, he nails women. Of course, it's in the script, but still, I mean, it, it plays to uh, plays to a dad bod fantasy for sure.
1: Also, they didn't know what to do with him for a long time. So you go back to the '60s, and it's like he's in Sherrod with Cary Grant as a weird mustachioed. He's in uh, None But None But the Brave with Kirk Douglas and Carol O'Connor as a, as a sheriff, I think. He's in. Um, a uh, 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 failsafe as the all-knowing professor who, who's yes. counting down the doomsday clock, and and it's like those all seem weird in retrospect. Is like, what is Walter Matthau doing in any of those roles? Because he found somehow he found his place, or they found a place for him later on. Yeah, um, and it's like it starts with 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 the fortune cookie in 1966, which is a movie you like a lot less than I do, but we both agree that Walter Matthau was probably the best thing about it.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: Yeah. And then, yeah. like, the odd couple. And then by the time the 70s come around, now we're talking about your dad's influence with, like, Charlie Varick, which we've done on the show. Charlie um, Uh The Taking um, of Pelham 123. Charlie two, three. What else? The Taking of Pelham 123.
0: Right, right. The Taking La- of Pelham 123. The Laughing um, Policeman. Yeah.
1: Right. And and so then he establishes. And then in, in the mid 70s, he starts to sort of waver again. So you get, like,. Um, Casey's Shadow with Tatum O'Neill, and it's like, oh, they don't know what to do with him. And what I like about Hopscotch was his 1980s, it's almost like he said, one more time, fellas, to the to the the like the taking of Pelham or Charlie Varick role.
0: It was like there was this thing too about like actors of that sort of age, like in the late 70s, early 80s coming out. What was there was like one with uh, what's his name? Ellen Arkin. The in-laws? Some like that, but there's one like where I think Walter Matthau's an assassin, and it's got Alan Arkin, and I, oh, I, all no. those movies sort of bleed no, no, together no, 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 for no. me in a lot of ways.
1: He's in a terrible movie? You know, he was. I mean, he, it's almost like Lancaster and Douglas had that relationship, where they had like seven or eight movies. Of course, <laughs> Matthau and Jack Lemmon, starting with *The Fortune Cookie*, um, right. moving on to other movies like *The Odd Couple*, etc. In the '80s, Billy Wilder paired them again uh, in a movie called *Buddy Buddy*. And that, out, that was an assassin. And it was the string of terrible movies in the 80s. And, you know, they, they really, both of them went out on a shit fucking cruise with a... Um, well, There was a movie called Out to Sea, where they were like um, uh, uh, Lotharios out at sea trying to get the old ladies. <laughs> there was the odd couple too... Oh, I mean, there was some, and then there oh, was, like, was there a couple too. Good well, God. and then Grumpy and Grumpy Old Man. I, I actually kind of dug that whole thing. They pulled that off somehow. I because I'm I'm a not at all a fan of like wild hogs or like space cowboys like let's get a bunch of geezers yeah. and put them yeah. in some
0: old age exploitation I guess really.
1: <laughs> but for some reason <laughs> um, I did like the grumpy old man I think because they were just kind of relaxed and poking fun at themselves I don't know what it was but, but in 1980 I would say this is the last movie where like he's kind of manly or, or that sort of vestige of the early 70s you know the, the right. wide collar shirt the kind of like Rockford Files character that type mm-hmm. of guy <laughs> right. Fair, I mean, fair. you got that right. And so this movie is—it's full of quirkiness. Oh, I forgot about 1984's first Monday in October with Walter Matthau and J- J- uh, Jill Clayburgh as um, Supreme Court justices. Not good. No, that
0: doesn't they like that could be. That's was what, it a wanky Supreme Court justice comedy.
1: That went on the tape after Hopscotch, by the way, because it was in the window. Oh, but sweet, it, but only, the so only so a placeholder. <laughs> All right, so 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 back to nineteen eighty. So so we're talking about um, a really interesting cast. First of all, in Hopscotch, you got Herbert Lom, or Herbert Lom, as we like to say in America. Um, oh, I love Herbert Lom. I've, oh, I've always loved him. Yeah, I mean, this is a couple of years after he was doing Pink Panther sequels. Right? Yeah, he
0: was a little harder to recognize, but there a he is. Little,
1: little tubby, a little pillboy, uh, uh, pillberry dull, dull boy.
0: And it's also got squeal like a pig in here.
1: Ned Beatty, who'd been doing great. I mean, think about two years earlier, he did um, um, Superman. Oh, four years earlier, he did Network. Two years earlier, he was the the sidekick to Lex Luzar and and Superman. We just saw him in a terrible, terrible movie with, I can't remember. Anyway, um, yeah, so, I mean, Ned Beatty is sort of good. He's probably one of the richest men in Hollywood (laughs) at... I wouldn't be surprised because he's just been a second banana forever and like dependable. He's kind of the Christopher Walken of his time.
0: Yeah. Is that fair?
1: Okay, Okay, you got got Sam uh, Waterston as a young man.
0: Baby Sam Waterston, huh?
1: Baby Sam Waterston.
0: And a little fella.
1: Yeah, Um, you got Glenda Jackson, who I don't know from much. Um, I remember now your dad saying about Glenda Jackson, the last time I saw a face like that, it had a hook in it, classic Finley number one. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's not classically attractive, but I, I like. She's appealing to me. She's just got kind of a, a not Helen Mirren. Who's the other older woman? Uh, Dame Judy, Judy Dench. She has Judy a Judy Dench, Dench quality girl. to her that I, I like. Uh, anyone else? Remember? There's a certain
0: classiness that that, that, that a woman of that sort of appearance and sort of genetics take Academy. on that she definitely had in this movie for sure.
1: Academy Award winner for 1973, A Touch of Class trivia. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So anyway, um, (laughs) Matthau plays, uh, ridiculously plays, uh, a senior CIA operative. I mean, there's so many things that are ridiculous. First of all, Walter Mathau as a CIA operative is ridiculous as a notion. Um, Right.
0: Yeah. Well, not only not only that, but he's also he's the best ever.
1: (laughs) Right. Sam Waterston is is his sort of mentee over the years who has (laughs) the ultimate respect for him. That will come into play. How? We'll let you know. Um, Who's who's sort of on his way out. Ned Beatty's the CIA, like a director of of a sort of winger department. Right. And yep. and of course it's a, it's almost out of like dirty hair like like Callahan get in here. You're a loose cannon, you know. And, and the loose cannon isn't Dirty Dirty Harry Clint Eastwood, It's Walter Matthau. Yes. But, but you know what? Ned baby's right. Walter Matthau is a crazy loose cannon because he just does crazy shit cuz he's just who he is. Like I'm me, man. And the so
0: fucking good you all <laughs> Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean the the opening scene is is in Munich at Oktoberfest. And and Herbert Lom is it plays a, a kind of a small part, um, delightful Russian agent, and yep. Matho takes the like gets him takes his film away from him, and then just sort of lets him go for old times' sake. Sal, can you do it? Can't yeah.
0: do it, Sal. Can't do it. <laughs> yeah. It's the fact that Walter Matho is essentially the LeBron James of spying.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I know.
0: And <laughs> I'm just gonna, I can do what I want because you could not stop me in the first place. And I mean, then the entire movie follows that arc.
1: <laughs> James Bond had an easygoing, and easy mannerism. Um, Walter Matthau has like a Papasan mannerism. It's just sort of, like, <coughs> meh. It's... <laughs> Do you remember... Do you remember um,
0: I'm bored with how much smarter than you I actually
1: am. Yeah, but also just sort of like, well, let's not do the whole job. You know what I mean? Like, do you remember, <laughs> speaking of the Sam, Sam Waterston connection, do you remember we used to watch Law & Order when we were roommates back in San Francisco? And I don't remember nope. the guy's name, but it would always be the, the, the DA... They'd come to him with like, but if but if we make a deal, fourteen children will be why
0: we even Yeah, that's it.
1: that's how it goes. You're gonna have to let that nuclear bomb go. Fucking right? you or the DA? Yeah, and that's kind of like in in, in a much more uplifted way. Uh, that's how how Matthew is was on this. It's just sort of like, eh, save save it for later, guys. Save it for later. I,
0: you don't, I I want to put. I don't want to like try to read too much into this, but hey, they're movies, so why the fuck don't we, right? Mm-hmm. If you say if you do a comparison, this is like basically three days of the Condor, but the condor Comedy version of it, yeah, innocent or Serpico, or like or, you know, not no, Scorpio, Scorpio. That's the one. It
1: I reminds I of. me of Scorpio. Like, it's lot, it's,
0: yeah. the, it's the uh, the movie. Uh, it's the, the the government is evil, but now, but but over time, coming into the eighties, suddenly the government is treated as an incompetent thing, so it's like more harmless, sort of, in a sense.
1: Yeah, and that's what's funny about this movie is it isn't precisely a comedy. I can't think of many... I mean, I did chuckle, definitely, (laughs) but I can't... And I don't just mean because it was stupid or something. Like, I I chuckled because it was meant to make me chuckle, but there weren't really, like, jokes written into it the way that you would sort of classify a comedy, but it was light somehow. You were just sort of, like, in favor of this guy going rogue and being ridiculous.
0: Right, exactly. It's it's, just... An absurdist comedy, I guess. I, that's got to be. It's got to be. But like, as you point out, there's, it's it, it isn't clearly of any one particular genre. It's li- still less is it a spy movie than it's a comedy. For fuck's sake, it's absolutely a comedy before it's that. But, but like you said, it's hard to sort of classify. What
1: I, don't, I don't know. And it, you know, one of the interesting things I found about this movie, it made me think of um, Scorsese's The Departed. Put a pin in that. Let me explain what I mean by that. Because I remember when The Departed came out, Scorsese made a huge deal in terms of like Hitchcockian filmmaking with cell phones because we were all like, uh, just a few years into cell phones by the time The Departed came out, so it was like bzz, like you could text from your pocket, and like, that was a way of, of talking about like espionage or intrigue. And this film is wholly dependent on like uh, payphones, on not having computer records, but actual sort of like manila files where you switch the file. And it's like, oh yeah, I, it, it kind of makes me think like how our changes in the world change the way we have to tell stories.
0: Right, right, right. And I mean, the, the, yeah. Well, God, I would, I'd love to, to get some millennials in a room and make them watch this movie and see if any of it makes any
1: sense. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. So anyway, so the, the idea is that having let Herbert Lom, the Russian operative, a uh, senior operative, go, he's called mm-hmm. back to to Langley that's where where, uh, where Ned Beatty basically says okay alright you've been a loose cannon too long Callahan uh, <laughs> and we're going to put you as a desk jockey to ride out and, and Matho will have none of it so he switches his file And then, you know, as he kind of a a throwback to Charlie Beric, you know, finds a guy to to make passports and 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 diners club cards um, under different names for him. And then it's going to trap. I
0: just want to put it like how shocking was like, I mean, because as I recall, like credit cards were kind of a newish thing at that point. Like it was, you know, I mean, it had been around, but only the elite had them for forever. It was this was just at the time when credit cards were becoming accessible to the
1: average person, I think. Bit of trivia, by the way. When credit cards came out, and they did come out technically like 20-something years before this, but I I, I grasp your point in terms of the common, you know, it was Mm -hmm. the 70s until people started to really have credit cards at all. But the um, credit card companies um, wanted to test the viability of credit cards, not just having an account at a store, but credit cards that you could travel with. And they decided, what's a city big enough that it matters? But, but that no one gives a shit about, Fresno. Fresno, Calif- California, was where credit cards were first tested out but in the American market.
0: I believe the Chalupa as well, my friend, by Taco Bell.
1: Okay, um, so, so, so his, his revenge is basically, I'm going to go on in, in a blaze of glory, by hopscotching, hence the title, all around the world, and Writing my memoirs. Thing, one step ahead of, of not only Ned Beatty, but now, of course, it comes back to Waterston, his you know, devoted mentee who now has to become the pursuer uh, of mm-hmm. Matthau. Yeah, leaking chapters of embarrassing items to the CIA and to the KGB and to whoever, whomever um, in, a, in, a, in a best-selling book. And that's another thing. It's sort of like, yeah, those things do happen now. We do have controversial books that the government—well, we just had one, with Mary Trump.
0: <laughs> Mary, I forgot Mary about it. Barry Trump, uh, what's the name, Bolton?
1: Yeah, John Bolton was another one. But the idea that it's like <laughs> you'd be hopping around the world typing them and somehow like mailing them to a publisher is, I, I guess it was like that's the sophistication that I, I kind of wish we didn't lose in terms of being movie viewers. Because I don't think anyone in 1980 was like, well, that's impossible. But now we know. That's ridiculous. <laughs> like, a lot of these things are just insane. But it's like, Glenda Jackson used to be a, an operative. She lives in, I want to say, Austria. She's kind of an old flame of his. So they kind of had this a chance for old math at a hop in bed with a lady. This time kind of a little more reasonable in the, in the form of Glenda Jackson. Um, and she's going to be his, um, his I don't know, girl Friday. As he hops around the world, she helps keep him safe. Right. And yeah, basically. It's a, I mean... Um,
0: and just outsmarting the fuck out of everyone. I think, at one point, I think the, the absolute funniest thing in the entire movie is the part where he goes into, he rents out a yes. house in the countryside and it's uh, Ned Beatty's vacation, uh, like house. vacation home. Yeah, or yeah. like that. So he's actually living in the house of the guy who's chasing him, which is really you awesome actually fun. get
1: a, a bead on the, uh, the, the <laughs> phone call. I don't fucking believe it. It's my house. I mean, it's so silly. It's so ridiculous. But there's something about this movie that I just, from start to finish, I I never lost track. I mean, the, the, the way he escapes from the police at the end when they hold him up is another total insanity. Everyone's bumbling around him. His mm-hmm. escape plan, which, like, how is he going to escape all of this in the end? I, we won't give away, but also equally ridiculous.
0: And, and the other part of it, too, I just want to point this out, which is he's so much, he's so far ahead of everybody else, but he's not even that extraordinary. <laughs> he's no. just, everybody else is is a thumb twiddly moron.
1: Well, he's also, there's just an ease about him, <laughs> like a grandfatherly or a great uncle ease. And it's like, in, you know, instead of James Bond music, the whole thing's driven by by Mozart, essentially. And so you have, like, Walter about the, hmm, you know, humming along as he's making something explode or making. I a think floor they're just
0: trying of, to make him well. seem sophisticated. That's all that is.
1: Well, but some of it is is more ridiculous and so- well, not ridiculous, but just fun. The whole like escape and the, the pickup truck, how he he you know the device he creates, um, the little hopping here and there. I I think the um, fuck it. I just lost what I wanted to talk about in terms of a. Uh, uh, oh well, I don't know. I mean, they're all just sort of ridiculous. Um, ways of humiliating people um, who deserve to yeah. be humiliated.
0: Yeah, yeah, Come kind think of it, it's, maybe it's more like, Jack, uh, not Jenga, but like, Crank Anchors, the movie. <laughs> I don't it's know. Got, it's,
1: but it's, it's cathartic. It's got the I mean,
0: quality of, like, just kind of savagely taking the piss out of other people.
1: But that's the thing about it, is it's got the cathartic quality because this film speaks to anyone who works, <laughs> basically. Right. That's what makes it not yeah. a spy movie. It's just like anyone who's had a boss understands how delightful it would be to just sort of un, un you know pull the curtain back while the guy's got his pants down essentially right right um, it's driven by that aforementioned soundtrack which is all you know classical music and it's Stop. I mean you rarely A lot see, of opera you rarely hear classical and opera that isn't sort of just meant to be background tone setting music in this case it's in the foreground it actually helps drive some of the scenes yeah yeah. Um, I really like that yeah um, Yeah, I guess that's all I have to say about Hopscotch. I I just, I highly recommend it, and it's um, for some reason it's free on YouTube. A pretty good print.
0: I think it's uh, Um, just. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with you on that. I'm going to say that sometimes uh, it's easy to get caught in the sort of treadmill of like, well, it's it's ironic or it's thought provoking or it's this. Sometimes a movie is just fun, and I think that's what this is.
1: Yeah, I think this is purely a fun movie. Yeah, I got nothing else. I'm sure I, I had this deep thought I wanted to sort of pass on to you, and I've totally lost it, but that's okay. Uh, it's
0: much better than the sequel, Butterscotch, you know? huh? Yeah.
1: Thank you, Tom. Wow, I re- was really worried. The that. Jerry I was it so goes bad. rogue. <laughs> you really saved me there, buddy. So <laughs> I know. Um Okay. Well, uh, if you'd like to rate and review us on iTunes, we'd appreciate it. We'd like more suggestions for Patreon episodes. I mean, we can just keep coming up with them forever, but we'd like to hear from you for some oddball ones we've never heard of, especially with, like, single films, especially for Patreon mm-hmm. or for the main page. Um, you can email us at finleasonfilm at gmail.com. Uh, Tommy, you got something to plug?
0: TomSmithComedy.com. Go check it out.
1: Tom Smith comedy.com Indeed, sir. All right, buddy. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.
0: All right, buddy. Take care.
1: Pow, Zoom.